0: For the past couple of weeks, we have been reflecting on the roles that each of us uniquely play, both um, individually as well as collectively in the kingdom work that our community has set out to do. Frank and Bert and Tim have all shared with us lessons of stories of this work playing out in the world. What are our gifts? How can we shepherd, lead and support We as a community are a vine with many branches. Whether or not those branches have fruit, they have value. We all have value and gifts that we bring into the work of righteousness or making the world right. Or at least making the world a little more right than it was before. And hopefully our little efforts of righting the world add up to a bigger rightening and bring us closer to the kingdom of God described and displayed to us by Jesus. We are disciples following after the one who set the example for us and doing our best to carry that into the world. Today's story is a little story in Acts that brings us to one more example of the amazing work done by the followers of Jesus in the time after his resurrection. This story centers around a woman named Tabitha who has just died. Even though we're not given very much about it, there's so much that we can glean from who she was. First, and likely the most important, she is the only female disciple given a name. There were of course many disciples who were women. So she is not unique at all from that perspective. But the writer of Acts believes her life has so much value that she is given a name. Oftentimes women in scripture are referred to based on their relationship to a man, but not Tabitha. She carries her own value. Her name, both in Aramaic and Greek means gazelle. The Reverend Will Gaffney in her sermon on Tabitha says, Tabitha's name is revelatory. Her parents named her Tabitha or Tavitha in Aramaic. They named her Tabitha or Gazelle, strong, swift, graceful, nimble, saying something of their hopes for her. So I can only imagine the life that Tabitha lived before we encounter her in this story. Her hometown, Joppa, is actually quite close to Jerusalem and Galilee. We know that at this point in her life, she is already publicly described as a disciple, which means that maybe she herself encountered Jesus somewhere in his travels around the region. From the way that she's described, we can safely say that she took seriously the call of being a disciple and following and copying the choices that she saw Jesus making. We know that she devoted her life to caring for others. Different translations refer to the same actions in different ways. Some of them say her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts on behalf of those in need. Another one says she was devoted to good works and acts of charity. She was rich in acts of kindness that she continuously did. And there's a lot of translations that refer to alms deeds or alms giving, meaning that she was probably someone who had a level of financial privilege, but that she made financial sacrifices in order that others would have what they need. Had she watched or heard the stories of how Jesus cared for those who were most marginalized in society and committed her life to this? In the first century, Women without men lived in a constant state of vulnerability. For widows, the system and laws of the time offered them no rights, leaving them with very few options to protect themselves and live safely. They were at risk of eviction from the homes they'd known or forced marriage into abusive relationships. Any resources they had could not be listed in their names. Jesus himself met and had compassion for widows during his travels. In Luke 7, we hear of a widow in a city called Nain. It says, as he approached the city, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son. She was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. And when he saw her, the Lord had compassion for her. He said, don't cry. He stepped forward, touched the stretcher on which the dead man was being carried and said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up, began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. Jesus's compassion for her is based on the knowledge that this woman who's a widow having no husband, has also just lost the only other man in her life, her son. His heart breaks for what her life could become as a result of a broken system. Nain is only about 70 miles from Joppa, which is close enough that it's possible the crowds from the funeral of this man told stories and made their way to Tabitha which promoted her to dedicate her life to this vulnerable community. Verse 17 literally says the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding region. I spent a lot of time on Google Maps this week, looking up how close these places actually are to each other. And you can do that too. You might have to do some changing between kilometers and miles, which is what they use in that part of the world. We also know that Tabitha's work was not about giving from a distance, out of touch with relationships of those that were suffering. She didn't just drop off donations or a check once a month. The widows whom she cared for showed such an elaborate outpouring of praise and grief at her death that she had to have been such a critical part of their community. To make clothing for someone, feels like a deeply intimate gift. It's about seeing them for who they are and what they need. They were the ones who took care to wash her body and carry it upstairs. These are likely the women whom Tabitha held in her arms when life circumstances left them widows. And these are the women who held her in their arms when she became too sick to walk. Just like Tabitha heard of Jesus's compassion for the widows, these widows are following and emulating her in the way that they care for her body and each other. When Peter arrives through their tears, they're still showing off the clothing that she made for them. I imagine this is like a really loud funeral reception that's kind of this combination of both weeping and laughter of mourning and joyful stories. I imagine they told stories of pride of having known her, describing each article of clothing and the love and care that Tabitha put into it. Each stitch, each patch, sash, tie, all crafted with love for the women who would wear it. What a life she lived to have a funeral like that. Just like the widows in this story, we also hear about Peter's first experience imitating Jesus in the care for others. Peter had been following Jesus around for years, watching, listening, learning, and now this is the first name story we hear of him raising someone from the dead. In Mark and Luke, we hear of Peter being invited into a room with Jesus after the daughter of Jairus has died. When they arrive at the house, Jesus actually doesn't let anyone in with them except for Peter, James, and John. I suppose that Jesus is hoping they might pick up a thing or two in the event that they might need this skill in the future. The little girl is raised with a phrase, "Talifa kum, or little girl, get up. Back in Joppa, now it's Peter's turn. Throughout his time with Jesus, Peter has been told time and time again to follow Jesus, not just literally behind him, but also Jesus is showing him the ways of the kingdom, and Peter must learn to imitate and put into practice. I like to think that Peter is often the facepalm disciple, misunderstanding Jesus, saying things and being corrected by Jesus over and over again. So I'm not actually sure what kind of confidence Peter felt when he was going into this room. When he arrives in Joppa, he's already had a number of healings under his belt, but this is his first resurrection. And maybe when he was called from Lydda, he didn't know that Tabitha had died and he assumed this might be a traditional healing. Or maybe he thought he was heading in to perform the blessing at a funeral of a fellow disciple. Either way, Peter is here and he has to put into practice what he has gained from following Jesus, whether or not he feels ready. Perhaps Peter is also remembering the compassion Jesus had for the widow's son, when he, for the widow, sorry, when he sees that her son has died, when he looks at the widows here in Joppa and recognizes how Tabitha's financial and practical commitment to their care was essential and without her, their vulnerability would be increased. As we think about the lives of Tabitha, Peter, and the widows in Joppa, each of them saw and heard of the compassion of Jesus and found their own way to step into the calling of disciples and follow him. So Romans 12, that we heard at the top of the service, but also have heard preached in the past couple of weeks, says, so my siblings, because of God's mercy, I encourage you to present your bodies as living sacrifices that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate and priestly service. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good, pleasing, and mature. Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Instead, be reasonable since God has measured out a portion of faith to each of you. We have many parts in one body, but all the parts don't have the same function. In the same way, though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ. And individually, we belong to each other. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, you should prophesy with a proportion of your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do it with no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy should be merciful and do it cheerfully. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire for the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope, stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless the people who harass you, bless and do not curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who cry. Consider everyone as equal, Do not think you are better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. So we should remember, we are one body with many parts. Tabitha's gift was giving and her life shows that she gave generously. Peter's gift of being a leader had him leading with passion. All the widows in Joppa, maybe some of them were gifted with mercy and did it cheerfully but others may have been gifted with encouragement and devoted themselves to this. The work of bringing about the kingdom of God requires everyone to show up in a way that matches the gift rooted in the work we've seen Jesus take on. So the FAST team, Faith, Action and Solidarity, has sent out a survey asking us to think about and identify the ways that our gifts can contribute to the actions needed to transform our city, state, and world into a better one. If you haven't had a chance to fill it out, please do so. And think about Tabitha, Peter, and the widows while you do it. Just like the widows in the first century, Our communities are filled with people who are not protected by the system in which they live. The risk of eviction because they lost their jobs during the pandemic or are forever labeled a felon because of prior circumstances that left them unable to fully live their lives. If your gift is prophecy, you are needed to tell the truth of God's kingdom to elected officials as they make decisions that impact all of us. They need to hear your stories and vision of the world that includes systems and policies that protect the vulnerable, like eviction protection, debt relief, healthcare access. Pasadena leaders need to hear about the importance of rezoning church land for affordable housing. Our state legislators need to hear how important it is for communities to be able to decertify law enforcement officers who take advantage of their positions. But if your gift is service, maybe you care for children during marches and actions or bring food and care for families experiencing homelessness or bring coffee to meetings. If your gift is teaching, maybe you help support others in understanding complicated policy that's designed to confuse vulnerable people. If your gift is encouraging, we need you to show up and be the crowd backing and supporting those speaking prophetically to power. If your gift is giving and you're blessed with extra resources during this time, maybe you support by giving to organizations or our church's mutual aid fund. The Reverend Dr. Mitzi Smith in her sermon on Tabitha says, unfortunately, it is true. There are few people, few disciples of any gender who would risk their economic status in order to provide for the less privileged. By taking such a risk, our good works and just acts challenge and transcend unjust systems. Many of us first consider how our giving will or will not diminish or increase our living. We are willing to talk about dying for Christ, but not risking our lives for others. The world will never be a better place as long as Tabithas are few. Even if their bodies experience a resurrection in this life, like Tabitha's, even the resurrected body was a mortal one. It is in the spirit of Tabitha, the spirit in her, that we hope and will take on an immortality among the living. Tabitha used her privilege, her wealth, just acts and gifts and prophetic speech for the benefit of the less privileged, the widows, the indigent, the hungry, depressed, oppressed, marginalized, and penalized. So for some of us like Tabitha, we heard a story of someone who had compassion for widows and decided this was the best way to use our time. But maybe others of us are like Peter, having seen others do it, certainly don't feel qualified to take it on ourselves, but trust that the Lord and the community will be there right alongside you. And maybe you're like the widows, blessed by the compassion of others and invited to step into their footsteps. Amen.